Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Citizens of Lorcana podcast, a podcast where we invite you to be a part of their world. We are your hosts, Jared and James, and today we are talking about what it means to be a TCG collector and just a collector in general. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome to another week. Last pod, we talked all about knowing the TCG lingo, and today we are talking about the hobby of card collecting and just collecting in general. So I've been a collector my whole life, basically, you know, from comics to toys to convention exclusives to uh, almost a you name it. But uh, I've never put like huge chunks of money into one thing at once. Um, what about you, Jared? Have you what have you collected? Um, does my Pokemon Go collection count? <laughs> <laughs> um, I did play that for more years of my life than I care to admit, but I had a really good collection. Uh, but seriously, though, the only thing I've really collected were the Star Wars action figures from the early 90s to or the late 90s to the early 2000s. Um, I had a paper out when I was a kid and all of my money went to collecting these Star Wars toys. As a kid with a paper out, I had over 100 and I think I counted it was like 134 of these figurines and I had like 10 or 11 of the big vehicles and some of the um, play sets. So that's the only thing I've really collected, but uh, definitely going to plan on collecting Lorcana. And what about you? What what have you collected? Well, like I said, I've collected a lot of different stuff. I have uh, about 7,000 or so comic collection. Wow. Uh, I collected uh, Disney Infinity. I collected like every single thing from Disney Infinity that was released except for, I think it was the 2013 uh uh, Mickey Sorcerer Mickey, like that was like a see-through version or something like that. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, we collect. Uh, I collect puzzles now. Uh, we've collected some hot toys. Uh, I mean, basically, you name it. And I've got like at least one or two Funkos. <laughs> I've got a few laying around. I mean, it's basically I have a collector mentality, and it's it's sometimes to a detriment. Well, I remember <laughs> you. One of the things you told me when we first started talking was. When you go to conventions like San Diego Comic Con and these other places, you like to get the convention exclusives. And a lot of times those in of itself will pay for your visits. Yeah. So I get some stuff. Sometimes I'll pick something up just because I know that other people will want it. And I'll, of course, put it on eBay and sell it. Uh, But I also buy stuff for myself. Uh, So it's like, you know, there's a way to pay for your habit. (laughs) And uh, that is uh, a... uh, unfortunately, some people uh, view that as uh, 100% wrong. Other people are like, you know, whatever you got to do, um, you know, they so I mean, basically, I just do it as a way to pay for my my habits, essentially. So uh, today, uh, we are actually going to be talking about collecting with our guest. And uh, so our the, we'd like to introduce uh, Nathan Kalanecki. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Nice to meet you. Welcome, welcome. It's, nice it's, it's good to have you. Thanks. 
I think that you and I have the distinction of being the first Lorcana HQ meetup uh, between two people who hadn't known each other because I know the uh, Traverse Taverns guys will be like, well, we meet up all the time. Yeah, but you guys were already friends. So I'm counting us as the first official. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. They're in Texas, right? If I'm not mistaken, something like that. Uh, I don't even know. Uh, yeah, Sorry, yeah, guys. I think that's fair. We did not know each other in the movement for the first time. I was I was in town for conference, and uh, Jared, who turns out to be a very sociable guy, was like, "Hey, let's meet up." So we did, and it was a great time. <laughs> Went to a place <laughs> called Nacho Daddy, where they come out with these plates of nachos that are stacked about six inches high. <laughs> Holy cow! That's uh, pretty crazy. Nice. Yeah, I ate light that time. I could not handle that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had already eaten, so and you weren't expecting a big plate of nachos. It's true. It's true. There was conference food that day, if I remember. So I think I would have rather had the nachos, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know all about that. Oh, man. Uh, so as a collector, uh, first, why don't you tell us a little bit about like the kind of stuff you collect? And then I think the the, the thing that we all want to know is like, how many D23 cards, like the Brave Little Tailors, do you have? Oh, boy. Um, so probably my my one true love when it comes to collecting is definitely Lego, for sure. Um, I've been into that since I was a kid. Um, I, I'm i in some of the communities, etc. I know a lot of people who work at Lego, been to their HQ, that kind of thing. I have some rare bits and pieces here. I've got a Lego set that they actually made for myself and a group of people it has our they printed our picture on the back of the box and everything um so that was cool and I, i've been into that since i was a kid but here and there i've collected other things like you mentioned i also have that collector mentality which i hate but there we go <laughs> um you know yeah let's see the other one is i collect some hot wheels as well um uh, i've been into those since i was a kid as well but my my collecting has evolved um so I, I don't collect your standard like 99 sets Hot Wheels that you get in the supermarket or whatever. I, I collect like what was called like your higher ends or your grail Hot Wheels or that kind of thing. They come in acrylic cases. There's maybe only 100 or 200 pieces out there or that kind of thing. And, you know, um, I enjoy collecting those too because um, I've always had a thing for models um, since I was a kid. Um, yeah, now D23 cards, well, specifically Lorcana cards, mainly because I enjoy TCGs. I used to play Magic the Gathering and collect that quite heavily. Um, I sold off most of that collection now. Um, I, I've kicked that habit, thankfully, but yeah, Lorcana is something that appeals to me greatly. And so, um, why not, why not jump in feet first, you know? <laughs> That's right. I remember the first time you showed me one of your Hot Wheels collections in the Lorcana HQ discord I was blown away because I honestly did not know that they came in a variety that was more expensive than $5.99 right 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 yeah there are multiple tiers yeah if you go on their website uh they have a thing called the Redline club where they they do like um limited drops I think they're like 30 bucks or something like that and they're pretty cool as well but um then they do other ones which you're I think you're talking about the ones I showed you which are some of them are employees only some of them are gifts for those people at like New York Toy Fair or that kind of thing um and those are the ones that I like to collect for sure they're uh yeah they're uh, they put on more detail into them they're shinier they come in a nice display case etc so yeah <laughs> they're nice to look at definitely going for uh quality over quantity 
Right, right, right. So uh, how many Brave Little Tailors do you have? Oh, God. Uh, I counted them right before this, actually. I have 14 in total. 14. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I did go a little bit crazy there. Um, you made a lot of people jealous. But you also bought it when the pricing was right. Yeah, I mean, not quite uh, not quite as uh, as well done as Jim's there, but with um, with uh, like, because I believe you got them at D23, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's right? hard to beat uh, handing them to you for free. Yes. <laughs> right. I don't think you can beat that. For sure. I wish I was there. No, um, I I read about the game about a week before D23 happened. I think they did the initial announcement about a week before it, it, the, the conference was about to begin. And I was like, well, wait a second. I, I have a sneaking suspicion this thing might be a thing, you know? Um, and then they came up with the article and said, okay, they're going to give up some cards at D23. I'm like, interesting. So I remember the Friday morning, I think it was, I was on eBay early looking for, no doubt, they were going to come up, you know? They were going to show up and people were going to start selling them. I was looking for them and I had a figure in mind of what I would pay, etc. And they started showing up as okay, a little bit higher, a little bit higher than within like an hour or two, it shot up to like double what it my happened so figure fast. was. <laughs> and then triple the quadruple. I was like, oh, okay. So there was a lot of negotiating in my head, you know, but that's how it goes. <laughs> you had you had to 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 basically think about it and then kind of rationalize, you know, like, well. You know, it's it's more than I wanted, but I have to get them now. Right, that was it. So I, 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 there's a lot of discussion happening on the County HQ Discord about where, especially the finance channel, um, about where people think the values of this card, these cards are going. Um, I think I'm one of them. Thinks over time, and I'm talking long term, five, ten, fifteen years, that kind of thing. This game has a chance to be a big thing. Um, and if so, then these cards being the first cards that ever printed could be very, very valuable. And so I was weighing up in my head, you know, like, what am I prepared to pay for these? So, yeah, it was it's like now or never was my thought for sure. And I think that's so far that's turned out to be correct. They've not hit what I paid for them again. You know, they've just kept going up. Those They did go down again a bit, but no, still nowhere near what I paid for them. So, so when uh, you look at collecting things, uh, are you thinking like you mentioned, you know, the, the long term, are you thinking that you're going to hold these forever or are they investments? It's it's a bit of a mix, right? So I, I, I wouldn't have collected this if I wasn't also interested in the game. It's, it's not something I do. I have to actually care about it to actually be bothered about collecting it. So I initially just wanted a set for myself and um, just to have them. I was like, okay, I think I might get into this game. I might pick up a bunch of the first set. I might play a lot of them, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I was like, I'll pick up a set. But then as I thought about it more, and I, was, I was like, mm, maybe it makes sense to cover my bases and pick up a few extra cards here and there. Um, and yeah, I think that's how it ended up going. Uh, so I've definitely got more than I want, and I'm going to keep a hold of quite a few of them. But I think eventually I'll probably sell some in order to make my money back, you know, that kind of thing. But that time hasn't come yet. I don't know when it will be. But, you know, there's been um, some talk with the other half. She's like, okay, cool. We could use it for a house down payment or something like that. <laughs> that is the exact conversation that I have had with my other half. <laughs> I mean, those things shot up so fast. If you didn't have thousands, like, by the end of the weekend, then you were out. Absolutely. I think, I think to me. even within, like, four or five hours of the first day, they were already at the set of six was already up to, like, $2,000 or $3,000 or something like that. Yeah, um, it, it, was, it was pretty nuts. 
Yeah. <laughs> I remember when oh, the first one I mean, went up for sale and was like four hundred dollars, and everybody was like, "That is so expensive." Right. If we only knew. I don't know if you saw. I don't know if you're in the Lorcana. Um, what's it called? Or kind of marketplace Discord. That's the one. But uh, two days ago, there was a set of seven sequentially numbered. I think Dan, you know, but it went for thirty-five k. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and somebody else sold another set today. It's so crazy. And somebody else sold another set today that wasn't even full tens. It was three tens and three nines, and it went for like twenty three k or something like that. So yeah. these these things are going crazy, absolutely crazy. They they had that initial surge, yeah, and then they dipped, like you said, and now they're surging again. And it's not even. It's like why? It's not even rules or anything are out. Yeah, I think well. Um, I'm actually going to thank Jared for this, actually, with his meme day scheme. <laughs> I firmly believe if it wasn't for his activity on Twitter and everywhere else, you know, uh, constantly being on their case and being like, we're, we're community here, show us more stuff, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, since they've started revealing more, and I think they've shot up especially since London and German and uh, Nuremberg toy fairs. Um, and they started showing off a bit more, a few more cards, you know, they showed three cards at once the other day, which is a new, a new thing. That's definitely new, but yeah, I think since more information is coming out and more people are becoming aware of it, the values are just climbing higher and higher and higher. We'll talk about those three cards later. You kind of touched on this already, but at what point do you decide to start selling? I mean, you were talking about maybe when you were thinking about buying a house, they're in San Francisco. I don't know if it's uh, possible to buy a house, but uh, I mean, what goes into deciding to sell off part of your collection? Mostly when my other half says I have too much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so are you somebody that would hold on to it for the rest of your life if you could? No, definitely not. I'd hold on to a bunch of stuff. Like I said, the uh, I would at least keep one set for myself. And some of the Mickeys I've got signed as well. Um like a couple of them I actually sent to uh, Nick Cole, the artist of the Mickey card, and he was kind enough to sign them for me and return them back to me. Um, and I would definitely hold on to those, for instance, um, just as a reminder that I was here in the early days, you know. But I think, you know, I'm considering selling the set now just because the values are there. And, you know, if I sold a set, I would make my money back like three or four fold now for sure on everything that I bought. Um and uh maybe whenever i need more money that kind of thing so yeah um that time hasn't come yet but i'm waiting for it <laughs> have you graded your cards i have yeah um not all of them actually uh, i kept the set ungraded the the worst ones but um uh, i graded three sets and most of my mickeys not all of them um, most of them done by PSA. I sent one to Beckett that I thought was going to get a particularly high score, and sure enough, it did. And I'm fortunate enough there's only five of these in the world right now. Um, so, yeah, that one I put a couple of offers on, which are also very high, but I've just not found myself to part it yet. Um, this one here, the BGS 10 Mickey. But, yeah, I guess mostly when I would need the money or when I need to thin down or something like that, I'm probably getting to the close where I should probably sell a bunch of stuff and make some space in the, in, in the office, that's for sure. What about you, Dan? It sounds like you have a lot of stuff. When do you get rid of stuff? <laughs> Who, me? Yeah. Oh, all the time. Uh, yeah, like, you know, the wife is uh, wanting me to get rid of puzzles after I do them, and even though I'm like, no, I like to keep them, so I, I basically had to, like, 
you know, say, okay, if I want to keep some, I'll get rid of some, but can I keep some? So it's like, you know, 50, 50, you know, like if for every, every one I keep, I have to sell one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in general, we're just trying to like, yeah, downsize, get rid of some stuff, stuff that I've collected over the last, you know, 40 years of my life. You know, if it's not something that I would like put out on a shelf and, and, or want to like, if it doesn't have like really good memories or, you know, a value emotionally, then it's something that I can part with. And so that's been kind of the thing where, you know, like you just pull stuff out, kind of make the decision and go from there. I, I think like that's that. a good mentality and probably it's something I should uh, think about more. It's it hard though. It's, it's hard. I mean, it, it's really hard to get rid of anything, honestly. I mean, I've had that problem my whole life. <laughs> I see people I think... in the Discord saying, oh, I'm liquidating my magic card so I can fund Lorcana purchases. And I'm just like, I cannot, like, I still have my my Hero Academia card collections. And I have some cards in there that are worth some money. But I can't imagine getting rid of them because I put so much into them. So I, I have that issue too. They have that sentimental value, right? Yeah, well, uh, luckily trading cards take up you know this much room they're they're small the the problem is is when you buy a few thousand Any of them, of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> and let me tell you graded cards take up a bunch of space as well <laughs> yeah luckily i don't have very many so and i'm not sure i'm ever going to have that many because i think uh that's just going to be the I think that would be, be too deep of a dive for me i'm going to collect lorcana i'm going to play lorcana so I don't think I can like spend all of that time, like looking at everything, getting it ready, sending it in to get graded, you know, getting frustrated when the grades come back, if they're not yeah. like what I think. And so I don't think I can, cause I'm like, like with that collector mentality, if like, if I get in, I'm all in and I don't want to, I don't want to get all in. Like, you know, I have to rein yeah. myself in. I have to have limits. I have to place limits on myself before I even get started. I think I'm in the same boat. There's been some comments, some questions in the uh, HQ channel about like what, what people think they're going to get graded and that kind of thing. And I originally was thinking I'd get some of the first set graded, but now I don't think I will. I'll just keep it to the D23 cards. You know, I'm going to keep a set of the first set, like Pristine Mint in a binder, I think. But unless, unless something stupid happens, I probably won't get them graded. So, so obviously we're not financial advisors. We're not saying we are, we're not pretending to be, but why invest in collectibles as opposed to something like stocks or real estate? It's more fun, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's really it, right? It's because they have, because you're, I mean, are you attached to stocks? Are you attached to real estate or are you attached to Mickey? You know, right? I mean, that's definitely part of it. That's got to be a lot of it. Right. I think, um, that's you hit the nail on the head. It's uh, un- unless I particularly cared, or like maybe I was a stockbroker or something like that, and you know had a great time trading stocks or something like that, then that'd be it. But you know, I enjoy looking at the things I collect as well. And it's like, as you say, it's hard to get get rid of them. You know, you form an emotional attachment to what you have, right? Um, I think there's a fine line between collecting and hoarding. It's one that I cross from time to time, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but. Uh, but I think that's exactly it. It's more fun to have things that you like and it's sad to let them go, but eventually you have to. So, yeah. Well, I remember reading an article that said that the value of Legos increased more in the past 10 years than the value of gold. 
So, I mean, yep. there are things like that that do hold their value extremely well. But for every uh, example of gold, there's probably 100 examples of Beanie Babies that don't hold their value. Right. It's true. I mean, I think it, I think there's a correlation between childhood and collectible values, right? I think a lot of adults who grew up with Lego, for instance, um, are now building, you know, in the community, in the Lego community, there's a time that people call the dark ages. And it's the time where, you know, you're a kid, you're into Lego, then eventually you get older, you, you know, discover dating, you discover alcohol, you go to college and university and that kind of thing. And more important things takes over. And then eventually you come out your dark ages and you buy your first new Lego set. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so they call that time the dark ages, but I think there's some sentimentality there, there you know, it's like reliving your childhood in a way. And I think part of the value of Legos is attached to, first of all, that they only produce like Lego sets for a couple of years at a time before they put them out of production. And second of all, people want to get the sets that they couldn't have during their childhood. You know, I certainly went ahead and did that. Certainly the bigger sets, like some of the trade sets or buildings that I wanted when I was a kid, I went back and bought when I was older and could afford them. So, and I think it's the same with Lorcana cards as well. You know, they've got that Disney IP sentimentality as well. They're people, people love Disney. A lot of people um, grew up with Disney, watching Disney cartoons and movies and, and their favorite characters, seeing them in parks, that kind of thing. And now they're seeing them on a trading card game and want to get involved. So I'm not just collecting invest, but also play. So, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it's hitting both check boxes. There's the nostalgia for Disney. And for so many of us, like I played the Star Wars card game when I was a kid. And then that hobby died until about a year ago when I got back into my hero and I remember just exactly how fun playing cards was. So, I mean, I mean, I think you're right. They're definitely hitting that nostalgia factor. And then I think they're hoping that they'll wrap our kids into it, too. So by the time they're our age, they'll still be into it. Who knows if Lorcana will go 30 years like magic. But uh, I think that's the, that's the dream, right? <laughs> that is for sure. I can't wait to see what happens. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the launch of the, the game and seeing it take off in communities and yeah i i'm hoping the same as you jared it's game takes off and they're and they're hitting i mean it feels like they're they're hitting at just the right time because you know nerd culture became popular culture much more than it was in the last 10 to 20 years mm -hmm. uh pokemon uh really brought um because magic is it, in my mind was always seen as something like Dungeons and Dragons. It was something that was played in the basement with a bunch of, you know, with a bunch of geeks. It wasn't like the cool kids most of the time back in the day. And I think magic kind of had that about it as well, but Pokemon brought it in with the kids and the cartoon and that made trading card games much more accessible. And now you're throwing in the Disney IP into it and it's, you know, the whole resurgence, you're at the at that exact point where they've been around for 30 years, trading card games are an established market, and there's all these people that grew up with them now, and they're not a weird thing. Mm. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that really points towards the perfect time to launch a Disney TCG. Agreed. Could you imagine think... if they had a Lorcana cartoon series to go along with it, like Pokemon? I'm That'd sorry, that would be pretty cool, I think. <laughs> I actually was really hoping that they'd have a parks tie-in at some point. I mean, like, it'd be cool if there was, like, Lorcana section at Disneyland and you could walk through and, like, be an Illumineer or whatever. 
and see all the different variations of the characters walking around you know the the dreamborn and the floodborn and whatever else it'd be very cool to see alternate versions of mickey walking around Volcano world at disneyland oh yeah they, they have some spaces that they do not make uh, really good use of so it's definitely a possibility well, the thing that just popped into my mind was, you know, they had that Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom card game. What if they still had something like that, but you could take your Lorcana cards and use those while you were at the park? How cool would that be? You mean like an AR kind of thing? Yeah, Scan so like cards? at Universal with Harry Potter, they had the wands. So at Disneyland, they had it with these cards. It's called Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. But I was just thinking, and I don't know how they do it, but... It would be cool if you could take your favorite cards to Disneyland and uh, have some fun little interactions like that, even if you that can't play cool. a game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I kind of have like high hopes that I don't even remember the early days of Pokemon. I mean, I can be, vaguely remember the child kid at the time, but um, the Pokemon worlds and stuff like that they held, it was huge. It was like today's esports event. People, thousands of people would gather and watch people play cards for tournaments and stuff imagine if they held one of those at disneyland or disney world it would be it would be awesome mm-hmm. that would yeah, be yeah that would be pretty awesome uh so in being someone who wants to both collect and play Lorcana, what does that look like for you as far as like what you're planning to purchase how you're planning to collect it and play it and all that kind of everything connect around that area how do you balance the two Good question. Um, I think well, I, I really hope to be able to like get involved in any local community that happens here. I'm fortunate enough, there's like three or four different uh, local game stores within a couple of miles of my house here in San Francisco. Um, so, uh, you know, I've been constantly in contact with them being like, when are you getting Lorcana? When are the pre-orders open? That kind of thing, as I'm sure many others are. But I'm hoping there'll be like game nights, that kind of thing that I can go to um, and get involved. I, I have a kid, he's only 10 months old right now, but He's probably a little too young for Lorcana, but I'm hoping that eventually we can sit down and have a game together, you know, when he's the right age. But no doubt, um, whatever I collect, you know, he'll probably end up with a chunk of those for sure. Um, in terms of what I'm planning to buy, uh, it's difficult to say what I buy. I know what I'm hoping to end up with. I'm hoping to end up with like a playset of each card from the first set. I don't know if a playset is going to be like three cards or four cards. You know, they haven't said anything like that. Believe rules are only like four weeks away right now. Hopefully, um, yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, hopefully, a playset of each card, and I'd, if they have like a foil set as well, they said there'll be foils. I don't know if there'll be like many different kinds of foils as well. Collect a foil set too, um, and I might even keep some sealed products sealed. You know, as a, a long term kind of thing as well. I, I don't have actual hard numbers, but. I will buy enough product that to get me there, you know, to to get that amount of cards that I would like to have. I know there's also some talk about whether you buy like booster boxes the whole way or whether you buy a certain number and then pick up singles in the secondhand market afterwards. We'll see how it goes. But I know I'm, I'm talking to my other half. I'd like to play with her too, and she's willing to give it a go. She's not a big gamer, and she plays the occasional board game, that kind of thing. She's willing to give it a go, which I'm grateful for. So, yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> Yeah. I gather you guys are planning on picking up a chunk as well. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's again, the, the continuing conversation with my wife because she wants to play it too, but she doesn't want to play it, you know, as hardcore as I'm hoping to be able to play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, she wants to put together, like, you know, she's like, can I put, is Belle out yet? You know, and can I put Belle in the deck? 
<laughs> you know, that's it's just the specific things, but she wants to play it and she, you know, she'll play it, but she's like, I don't want to be playing this every single night. Um, but also then that becomes how much do you want to buy? You know, do you buy, like you said, booster boxes and then fill in singles? How many booster boxes? And I mean, it's just you do whatever, you know, one, what you can afford. Uh, and two, you know, whatever you feel like is going to bring you the most satisfaction. Like if you really, you know, you love opening the boxes and the packs, I mean, just buy a bunch of boxes and open them and then start trading. You know, if you, right. if opening the packs is like, oh, I can open up a box and I'm good, then buy a couple of boxes and buy the rest of the singles. I mean, it's just whatever you're going to do. I mean, just make sure it's something that you, you can afford and that you, you enjoy doing. I hate to say it because I know a lot of people love cracking packs and I do enjoy opening them too, but nothing is more frustrating than when you open a pack and it's a bunch of stuff you already have. Yes, that is true. But what if you already have like a foil legendary and you get another foil legendary? That means you get to trade it for another foil legendary you don't have because those things are going to be hard to get. And that is the argument for, I know. I am that person that would buy a box or two and then fill everything out in singles. With this first set, it's going to be different. I'm actually going to buy quite a bit of product and just see how it goes. And if it's something that I enjoy, then I'll probably continue doing that going forward. But we'll we'll see how this first set goes. Yeah, I do get your yeah. point, though. I watched um, just randomly. I watched Wasi uh, open up uh, some of the Weiss Schwartz Star Wars cards uh, a couple of days ago. And he had three boxes, which included six packs per box. And there's only like two cards a pack. And there's like regular and a foil of each car in, in each pack. And the second set of six he opened was the exact same, all six cards. Oh, disappointing. And I mean, it's like when you when that happens, yeah. I mean, but that that was just horrible to watch. You're like, oh no. <laughs> so I get that part. Um, but yeah, but but with Lorcan, I think I, there's yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think we humans have short memories, though. It's like, yeah, you get disappointment after disappointment of opening crap card, crap pack after crap pack, and then you get one, and like you say, you pull a massive foil legendary that you know is valued at like eighty bucks or something like that, and suddenly all the memory of the bad packs go out the window, <laughs> like it never happened. a massive rush. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's that is definitely the fun. I mean, yeah, it's it's so much fun opening packs, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a definite problem for me. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you, Nathan, um, if someone were wanting to get serious about collecting, um, I mean, we were asking about card games here, but even just collecting in general, what advice would you give them? Buy what you like, mostly. Um, I think uh, if you're doing it as a financial investment, I can't, I can't, I'm not qualified to give advice there. You know, I've had some stuff that's gone up in value and some stuff that's gone down in value. And also you can never tell, like the best time to get into collecting anything as an investment is early. Um, but then you have no idea if it's going to go up or down in value. So I think ultimately buy what you like. If you like it, chances are other people will too. You're not the only person. And so eventually that might have value to somebody um, if you're buying it as an investment. If you're buying it to collect, and again, just buy stuff that you like. And you, The main thing is, do you enjoy looking at it? Do you enjoy having that collection? Um <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you might um? Do you like just having a corner of your house that has a lot of stuff in it that you just like having? I mean, it can be a smaller collection as well. You know, just uh, a, a pack of cards or a deck of cards or something that you that you like. Um, I think that's the only main advice I'd ever give to someone is just 
buy what you think you like so yeah so from my experience i've like dabbled in this i will go out so for example there was this lego set it was a harry potter wizard's chest lego set and i was like this is really cool people love harry potter they love legos and they love chess and i was like i'm gonna buy this and just hold on to it see what happens it's 60 bucks and i was thinking maybe around christmas time it would go up in value but on ebay it was like forty (laughs) dollars and so like i'm planning on holding on to it for a while but this is the thing that always seems to happen to me i'll look at things and be like maybe i should buy this and then five six months later i'll look back on it and it'll be worth you know less so that's like a little frustrating to me i'm not sure how exactly to find product that will hold its value I, I feel that. I think the the main problem there is the short-termness of that, right? Is yeah. that even with the D23 Lorcana cards, you know, they came out in September. Uh, last month, their value was half or even a third of what people bought them for. You know, after a couple of weeks after they came out, they showed up to 10K for the set of six. And if you bought them at 10K, then you would have been disheartened to look on eBay last month and see them going again for four or 5K. Um, and that, that there are natural ebbs and flows in values of things, you know, many things from people buying Christmas gifts to tax season to uh, in another thing I was involved with, you know, um, crypto uh, tax, for instance, people sell off a whole bunch to pay their taxes at the end of the year, that kind of thing. Um, and so there are natural ebbs and flows and people and companies like Lego and uh inevitably Ravensburger or whatever will reprint things and that'll take a short term hit in the value too. But I think the important thing is to look at it longer term as well. I think a lot of the Lego sets for that you're talking about that have gone down in value in the short term, you look at them five, ten years later and they're now ten times what people paid for them back in the day. Um of course you can never guarantee that, but I think it's more important what happens over the long term. Unless you're just looking to flip, in which case you have to be more careful with what you buy but yeah yeah i will check back in with you in six years (laughs) yeah yeah if you if you could uh predict things with any any accuracy then any if anybody could predict anything with any accuracy then yeah they would be making a whole bunch of money uh right it's, it's just you never know i mean like just very specifically at if you if you look at things over the years hasbro at comic con they always produce like a Black Series figure, uh, a Magic set, um, and then a few other things. Like every year they do the same thing. And some years, I mean, they, they produce them in almost the same exact quantity. But some years they'll have a, a figure that on the reseller's market years later is still like 20, 30 bucks. And then the very next year they'll have a figure that's 10 times what it costs. You never can tell, even with the same exact kind of thing in the same exact market from the same exact place. It is a market that is confounding and aggravating and also a lot of fun. <laughs> Not all that different, different from stocks, really. In the end of the day, <laughs> stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it's more fun, I think. It is more fun. That's more fun because you get cool stuff to have on your shelf until you decide whether you want to keep it or not, right? Right. So, yeah. So we did mention earlier that we had some new cards. Uh, there was actually a little bit of uh, news, random news here and there, but let's start off with the cards that were announced last week. Uh, we had uh, all three, and the first one we're going to talk about is Aladdin, Prince Ali. 
this one is an emerald, two cost, uh, two, two for uh, strength and uh, defense, whatever those are called. He's a storyborn hero prince, and his ability is ward, which we previously saw on Aurora, and opponents, which is opponents can't choose this character except a challenge. And his uh, flavor text is fabulously wealthy, practically untouchable, genuinely inauthentic, which is hilarious, I think. Uh, but this is a kind of like just a starter card. Now we know that Aladdin is in another color uh, because he's on the deck, the starter deck box for, is it uh, for Ruby? Oh, I hadn't realized so, that. Interesting. So, and then Cruella is the other card that's on the deck box, which means, and Cruella mm -hmm. is Emerald. So now everyone is thinking that maybe the Ruby Aladdin will have shift because this is an Aladdin you can get out for two and then a future higher cost Aladdin you'll be able to get out for a little bit cheaper. Maybe, who knows? We don't know yet. We're just yep. waiting here. Um, but I think that's going to be the case because we already seen shift and uh, we now have a different color Aladdin than we know is coming out. Pretty cool. It makes me wonder if we're going to get a shift card for every major character that's in the first set, you know, so part of the major game mechanic will be upgrading your character over and over again. Right. Uh, and that's, that's something that really, I mean, we have the evolutions in Pokemon, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which right. is a similar thing. Um but maybe, yeah, maybe this is one of the major mechanics of the game. Mm -hmm. Yep, I could see and that. This, this card looks just like a, a solid early game card, right? I mean, we don't know rules or anything like that, but like you said, it's cost is two, defense and strength are two, so it's like, with any luck, cost being two, you can get them out early, and it's, you know, plays a solid role in the battlefield. So. Yeah, and he can't be, <clears throat> he can't be banished by Dragonfire or anything. I learned from Knives that this is considered a French vanilla card because <laughs> he does have the ward ability, but it's more there just as a reminder text and not as a specific defining ability. Unlike this next card, which is the wardrobe, and this is a strictly vanilla card because it has no flavor or has no abilities, no keyword reminders. It's uh, the wardrobe from Beauty and the Beast. It's uh, three cost, has, I've been saying three attack, but strength probably makes more sense. Four defense, it's called Bell's Confidant, Dreamborn Ally, and it says, when you simply must have the hottest, okay, how do you say that word? Couture. Couture. Couture, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't run in those circles. <laughs> but, uh, Me neither, it's a, if you ask more the half. It's a pretty solid body for a three cost card. And again, we don't know if there's any pips on this. Just like with Prince Ali, they have that pesky little triangle covering up that area. Yep. And and so it's a Dreamborn, which means it's slightly different from the story version. And basically the only thing that we can tell is the color uh, because it's an amethyst card. Right. Uh, the jewel on on her neck and the coloring on, of her paint in certain highlights is amethyst instead of the green that it was in the movie so pretty they subtle. basically if they need a card in a particular color they just change the color and put it into dreamborn and they have a card it's <laughs> it's like magic <laughs> yeah of, of the three cards that they revealed is definitely the least interesting it's kind of like your soldier on the battlefield right it's one of your troops it's 
It's not your weakest one. It's not your strongest one. It's kind of mid-range somewhere. It has no special abilities, nothing nothing going on other than how those keywords interact with other cards and spells or uh, actions or whatever else they've got lined up for us, you know, that kind of thing. Which leads us to our last card, which we asked Nathan to talk about. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I look at this card, I think it's probably the more interesting of the three that they've revealed. Um, first of all, it's it's quite an expensive card, you know, six cost. Um, before that, you get your five strength and your four defense as well. But I think the interesting stuff about the card is, I think we've discovered now that damage is permanent, right? So you get damage counters in the uh, the... I forgot what it's called, the gift set, you get damage counters in the starter decks. And it seems like when those are applied to a card that the the defense might go down. So it starts off at four and three and two and one, etc. But the the ability here, Insidious Plot, when you play this character, chosen opposing character gets minus five strength this turn. Um, it seems like that doesn't apply to strength. It seems like that only lasts for a turn. So it's kind of similar to MTG in that way. It's, makes the character weaker so it doesn't hit that hard for the rest of that turn maybe allows you to do some challengers i guess they're calling it in this where you can challenge this character and it's less of a risk to you because um you might get not that much damage in in return or something like that um but i think as a result it's more interesting especially because like strength seems ephemeral whereas damage seems permanent in this game at least that's what we seem to cover so far so he's, to me, the more interesting three cards they revealed. So there's a piece of lingo we didn't cover. Tell everybody what ephemeral means. Oh, it just meant like it just, uh, it, it's short-lived. It doesn't stay forever. You know, it's kind of, um, that round. sorry, I thought it was a standard English word. <laughs> so on, on, in fact, and someone pointed this out too on Scar, um, if you look at where he's stepping, the design on the stone where he's stepping is like the design in the backgrounds of other blue cards with the, with the little circles and lines. So hmm. they are putting little details of the colors, the inks of the inks into the art to just even more define each, you know, each color of ink, which I thought was really cool. Well, I feel yeah. like this ability is very thematic because this seems like something Scar would do. He's hiding in your deck, plotting for the perfect time to pounce out and catch an opponent unaware. And so that decreases their attack strength by five and uh, allows him to banish them. But it only lasts for the one turn because then everybody knows he's there. I just, I love that ability. Totally. And it, like you said, thematic, it fits in with his flavor of text as well. It's like, I, I love plans of a little danger, but not danger for me so <laughs> i'm gonna weaken you when i pounce <laughs> yep so those are the cards i and i agree scars the most interesting aladdin can be interesting the wardrobe is is there um but it was really cool but what what so, the wardrobe does is it means beauty and the beast is in the first chapter and that means my wife is probably going to get her bell card <laughs> So we so, also had a cool little tweet that uh, Jared's going to tell us about, uh, about the beginnings of Orkana. Yeah, some there was a Twitter account. The person's name was Famous. And I can't remember the tweet before it, but Disney Lorcana tweeted him back and said, Project Famous was the codename for Disney Lorcana when development kicked off in 2020. So just kind of, it's kind of like when you learn the codename for movies. 
when they're being filmed. It's just kind of interesting to know that uh, behind the scenes, they were calling this project famous. That is cool. I did not know that. That's awesome. And it's one of those things that makes me want even more to hope that someone around uh, Disney and Robinsberger had a camera out for a significant portion of the process for the two and a half years this was in development so we can eventually get some like six episode long making of Lorcana documentary on Disney Plus. <laughs> I would love if they did that. I, I just love watching behind the scenes stuff. I want it. I want them to do that. I wish I really hope they do. Absolutely. I think also, I as I mentioned before, I used to be quite heavily into MTG, MTG. And one of the things they were really good at, not so much now, but they used to be, is they had a website called Daily MTG where they put up articles with the designers. And one of the head designers, Mark Rosewater, would talk about new sets that were coming out, the design decisions that went into them, put massive articles up talking about those, etc. And And a lot of those, he talked about the history of the game, why certain things are the way they are, the decisions they made early in the game, that kind of thing. And when I look at the Lorcana website right now, it's quite bare. It's just, you know, it's here is our product. And I really hope they turn it into like a, a full-on destination website with this kind of stuff where we get to hear more about like the early days of the development of Lorcana, um, the decisions that went into the cards and why things are the way they are. And I think it'd be so cool if, if that happened. Agreed. Yep, for sure. Uh, so we also had uh, a convention in France uh, over last weekend, and the infamous pamphlet, the NDA pamphlet that was handed out at uh, Nuremberg, I think it was, or in London Toy Fair, one of those, or maybe both, uh, they handed out at France, and apparently uh, there was no NDA associated with it. So we got That's a good look at it. Uh, you can go to uh, the Mushu Report to see the uh, screen caps of the thing and, and to talk about the uh, translations of it. And basically, it's a product guide with you know, like you know barcodes and descriptions. And I think really the main thing we got out of it was the cutoff date for pre-orders uh, being July 1st. Uh, and a little bit's like, I think the damage counters in the starter decks are... We just knew originally that they were just uh, tokens of some kind, and now we know they're damage counters. Um, but they also have stuff in there like the the accessories. They have no pictures, even though they just have like generic, like blue uh, placeholders. Yeah, placeholder images because they don't have pictures for them yet. But we get like all kinds of dimensions of things and measurements, and uh, it's just really cool seeing all of the. You know, this is what they're handing out to. Um, prospective uh, buyers and letting them know everything that they'll be able to get and what it's about. The other thing in the pamphlet, there's a little infographic almost where it talks about the journey of the Illumineer. And it's talking about how, you know, the store will get product. and But it also says that there will be, I think in French, it says league play, like organized play. Um, and that the uh, Lorcana plans on supporting the local game stores with um, posters and stuff that they can hand out and hopefully there's um, price support too it doesn't really say that but then it talks about how there will be advertising like digital advertising and uh, there's going to be a community manager um, to interface with the stores and the community so I mean all this stuff we suspected but it is cool to see that they have that roadmap there and the ideal flow of what they expect a person who's into Lorcana to go through 
Well, you know, tying into that, there was the the news from today. It wasn't much, but of um, the small bit of set two news that came up from that Dutch, I think it was Dutch or was it German website? I can't remember which. It was Dutch. But it, Dutch. It made it made an interesting comment about how the set would would have a pre-release before a general release. Now, I initially thought that was just talking about you know what they did for set one, which is letting LGSs have it before big box retailers. But then it talked about specifically doing it through an organized play program, which makes me think they'll actually do some kind of like pre-release event like Pokemon or um, MTG or something like that. And if so, that would be excellent as well. Yeah, that news came to us from a Lorcana HQ user named Gordy uh, from a website. It's Board Speller. B-O-R-D-S-P-E-L-E-R, and then .nl. That's the only reason why I know it's Dutch. It's from the Netherlands. However, later in the day, it was confirmed to us uh, by Knives. He messaged the Lorcana Twitter account to ask if they could confirm these dates because not only did it talk about Set 2 releasing on uh, December 1st and a pre-release on November 18th, it also talked about potential release dates for Set three four and five and they responded and said we cannot confirm any dates or information beyond the release of disney lorcana the first chapter so there's that <laughs> total total pr denial ish because it's not totally. really denial it's not really okay. denial <laughs> but it's also no confirmation except for we know lorcana chapter one is coming out and that's it so i mean we all know that they said that they're releasing four sets a year so we know they have to release them every three months on average. So it makes sense, you know, on this thing where they say, you know, it's coming out in December because the first one's coming out in September. So it's like, well, three months later, that makes sense. And then March, June, September, those all make sense. But, uh, you know, there may be delays. And I think that may be one of the things that why they don't want to nail it down yet, because that's a year away. And yeah, right. you, know, you never know what may happen. I mean, you know, look at COVID. That messed everything up. <laughs> Supply so, chain shut down. Yeah. So, I mean, no, it was really cool news, but, uh, you know, I, we all assumed it was a, roughly that timeline, but it's interesting seeing, yeah, I think that what you mentioned, the uh, the organized gameplay pre-release kind of a situation uh, we hadn't heard anything about yet. Just we know that the shops are getting it early, but that makes sense that it's going to be maybe an organized thing where they get pre-release type stuff. Yeah. And I don't know, they might actually do that for the first set as well. I mean, we know LGS is getting it early. Um, I think right until now, we just assumed that that just meant they were getting product early and selling it early, but we actually haven't heard anything about the organized play program that they've been talking about at all. So they might be planning pre-release events to go with that too. We don't know. Spring. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. Four weeks, man. Four weeks. (laughs) All right. Is there any other news that we missed, James? I don't think so. I think that's pretty much it. There was no no new official news coming out since those three cards from last week. Okay, then, Nathan, will you do us the honors of being our contestant for our Disney Jeopardy segment today? Oh, God. Um, I could try. I I, I was telling Jared earlier, I've never actually seen Jeopardy. I'm very vague on the rules, so I will try my darndest at this. We're we're (laughs) not very hardcore here. Yeah, we're very lax on the rules. (laughs) It's basically just try and answer the question. You know, like, you know, we'll see how it goes. Okay. All right. So it goes from 100 to 500 in progressive difficulty, okay? 
So for 100, this is Finn's favorite snack in the movie Frozen. Finn's the reindeer. Yeah, I was supposed to word it like a question, right? What, what do I like to eat? Am I doing that right? Something like, what are, fill in the blank. What are snow cones? Snow cones. Good guess. Uh, what are carrots is the correct carrots. answer, though. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. First one failed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For 200, this is where Aladdin lives. Um, the city. Uh, this is where Aladdin would, would you like to see my palace? I don't know. <laughs> We're looking for the name of the city. Oh, I can't remember the name of the city. Uh, pass. <laughs> what is Agrabah? For 300, this is the name of the well in Pinocchio. Pass again. Pass again. <laughs> oh, what is Monstro? For 400, do you want, to, do you want James to help you? Yes, please. Please, James, step okay. in and save me. <laughs> I, I have the answers in front of me, so I can answer these, but I can give you a hint. Uh, you weren't okay, even supposed to say that. Okay, for 400. <laughs> this is the name of the pub in the movie Tangled. I do know that one, but I cannot remember. I'll pass. Sorry. Uh, it's a comfy Donald. A comfy Donald. Or should I say a comfy Huey, Dewey, and Louie? Uh, uh, what is a dwarf? What is the snuggly duckling? Oh, snuggly duckling. Ducks, of course. <laughs> I told you I'm terrible at Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, you're doing about as well as I usually do, so don't worry about it. Yeah, hopefully this is entertaining for people. Be failing at this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question for 500. This is the real name of Boo from Monsters Inc. I would have never gotten this one, by the way. So I'm I'm trying to give a visual hint that no one can see, so no one knows I'm doing it except for I just said it. What? Oh wait. Um... Oh, I can remember the name. Okay, what what is Mary? Right? Ding 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 ding. <laughs> you got it. Is you got that the okay. hardest one. That was a hard one. <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten it. I wouldn't have either. I would have never gotten that. Oh, we, only, we actually only watched it a couple of weeks ago for, again, so it was kind of in my mind a little bit. Well, there just to go. tell you how bad I am, we watched uh, what was it? Re- like either Alice in Wonderland or Peter Pan or something like that. Like Peter two Pan. before we did one of these and he asked me a question about something in Peter Pan and I couldn't think of it and I had seen the movie like not more than 48 hours before <laughs> what was uh what was the name of the dog yeah I mean it's like oh man I was I was I'm so horrible at this and but you know it's the way it goes you get brain locked you're just like oh no you really do are you keeping track of who got your best scores amongst all the guests you have on the podcast? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Glad to hear it. No, because this is just for fun, just to just to have some fun. And and uh, when me and Jared do it, it's like, yeah, I, I got a I got a five for five once. So like, usually we get three out of five. Congrats. Yeah, usually we're about average, two, three, okay. something like that. Yeah. You know? Well, well, it was fun, Nathan. Um, if people want to find you online, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on the Orcana HQ Discord under Mr. Hobbles. Um, I'm also on Twitter under my name, Nathan Kelaniki. Um Either of those places are fine. I'm available. This was <laughs> awesome. also fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and, thanks uh, so much for stopping by. 
Yeah. And you're so much fun to interact with on Discord, even before we met in person. I mean, just the insights that you brought and the comments that you made in the Discord were awesome. So I've really appreciated that. Um, for all the ribbing you gave me for spending most of my time in the finance channel <laughs> it's it's just like uh that meme that has simba and mufasa and they're looking over and they're like what's that place over there and mufasa's like that's not part of our kingdom you will never go there simba that's how i feel about the finance channel because i just <laughs> i don't know what to say so <laughs> you guys can stay in the elephant graveyard over there it's just fun talking and speculating. That's all. It's just fun yeah. and games. Maybe it's just because I'm jealous that I can't be there participating with you. So yeah, the truth oh, is, I out. mean, you and what less than? Well, I mean, take the population of the world, subtract about 800 or so, and you're in the same situation as that much of the world's population because there's not many of these sets out there. So yeah, you have much more company than we do. <laughs> you're not making me feel better james <laughs> oh i thought that was good you know like and you're like the rest of the world you're awesome <laughs> oh man all right if you liked what you heard please subscribe to this podcast you can find me on twitter at citizens of Lorcana and james where can they find you uh you can find me everywhere at dan regal and you can also check out geekshotphoto.com for links uh photography and stuff for my wife and i and uh thank you all for joining us Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.